Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC Fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC Fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFF THE BLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout. Australia in four, the United States in five. Welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. I'm your host, Robbie Cox, and joined by the man himself, Mr. Shannon Rollison. The hair's growing back. Shannon, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, Robbie, yourself? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You've um, got the hat on. Yeah, I've got the hat on. And as I've, a few listeners have mentioned to me, you know, that when I showed you my my efforts and, and it was all due to you, you know, I followed your lead. I thought, yeah, yeah, Shannon's right. Let's... Let's get the fight haircut happening and I'll go and get the buzz cut. And then you just left me there, just hanging by myself. So that's it. Hat's gone on now and the hat won't come off until I've, I've grown shoulder length hair and, uh, and I've, I've grown it all back. That's it. It's a hat from now on. How you been anyway? <laughs> uh, yeah, been, uh, been a couple of busy weeks. You know, we had the, uh, New South Wales ran two camps over two weekends. I was involved in the first one um, with the breaststrokers. Sanda ran the freestylers. Um, and then last weekend, uh, the backstrokers, I am as and mm, butterflies. Yeah, yeah, they were in. So um so it was pretty good. Um both camps looked good. I, I was certainly happy uh with the first weekend that I was involved in and, and by everything I saw, the freestyle sprint group was really good. Some, they did some different different things and uh, it was good to see. Um, and then last weekend, you know, they were working hard. Uh, there's some good sets done by everyone involved. Um, but a couple of the Victorians were involved both weekends. Yeah. Um, they were in, which I think actually added to to uh, all the camps, which was really good. So it's a good thing about the camps, isn't it? Because sometimes it's not necessarily that the wheel gets reinvented in these things or it's more that um, that old saying of iron sharpens iron, isn't it? So you're bringing together the top swimmers, the top coaches. I can imagine the coaching 
conversations on pool deck are a lot more sharper too with people you know getting excited about ideas and what do you think about this and what have we changed it this way and what have you did it this way and watching the swimmers challenge each other is do you think that's the sort of stuff that comes out of those sort of weekends more so than you know learning a new skill or getting any progression in certain areas do you think it's more that just the environment that gets created that people drive away from there sort of chest puffed out going, that's it, I'm ready to go now. Coach is driving back going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach the hell out of these next three weeks leading up to state and the swimmers are fired up. Yeah, I certainly think so. One of my favourite sayings is, um, or stories, I suppose, uh, is, um, and I've was asked this question back in the 90s, um, you know, samurai sword, is extremely strong steel. Um, how how do how do you make it stronger? Apply heat. Mm. You know, so, I think in those camp situations, you don't have to really come up with anything miraculous from a, a working environment because it's just going to happen, isn't it? Yeah. You, like you say, you put everybody in the same pool. You put them up side by side. It's like you've wound them right up and you just let them go. Yeah. Um, what I tried to do with that in mind was actually um, my goal was for them to walk away with a new skill or drill um, mm-hmm. with the breaststrokers, which we, we, we attained that. Um, we had four, including in myself, we had four coaches in that group and um, and the athletes took care of the rest, you know. Um, some of them were a bit young. Um, and uh, they wound up maybe a bit too early in the in the over the four sessions, yeah, um, yeah. five including Jim, and um, petered out a little bit towards the end. But that's just experience. Yeah, well, it's easy to do, isn't it? Um, you know, just talking about training camps and things like that. Um, you know, my mind goes to listening to Greg Troy talk about Ryan Lochte and Phelps in sort of camps leading up to Olympics and things like that and then having to sort of keep them away from each other so they didn't because it was not meant to be a high-intensity session but as soon as they would get next to each other and it was somewhat of a, a speed, you know, that it was on and or even hearing Phelps training with um, Hackett and just different things, you know, once you put those sort of people in those environments whether you like it or not, it's probably on before you even know it, right? Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that much in your – I mean, you've been on plenty of camps and training camps and all these sort of things. Have you seen a few of just swimmers eyeing each other off and no words spoken, but, right, it's it's game on, let's go? Oh, everyone I've been involved in. Mm. So, like I said, you don't have to come up with that much. <laughs> you should. Find some athletes, add water, and let it go. <laughs> add water. <laughs> I um, it, It's a balancing act, as you said, and, and how challenging is it? I mean, for you guys on these last few, I guess we're still just coming up to taper, so if they went a little bit too hard, it probably wasn't a crazy thing. But when you're leading up to a championship event and you've got, you know, those athletes together, how hard is it to – do you have to be super conscious of making sure – you know, the the intensity is way down or certain swimmers are away from each other because it, it can turn into, well, that set was session was way too hard. It wasn't what we're after. Yeah, certainly if uh, you're inside that sort of window period, something you need to be mindful of if you're in a taper period, uh, 
leading into a major meet, you know, because you're you're in, you know, the final two weeks, you're in a training camp, you're somewhere in Europe and, um, you know, particularly on the Australian team for many years, you, you know, your number one competitor was another Australian, you know, if yeah. it was Grant Hackett or Ian Thorpe or the female sprinters and... Um, so yeah, so uh, but other than that, yeah, I just think the number one thing is where to place the camps. If yeah. you can, you know, I, I think they were in a good place um, with what we did with New South Wales, where you know, roughly around a month out or five mm. weeks out, um, and it was can be a bit of a wake up call for some athletes, which is yeah. a good thing. Nah, awesome to hear, mate. Um, now we we did the Ask Shannon Anything episode the other week and. Um, I did, unfortunately, just not on purpose, but I, I skipped through a question and then a story. So I wanted to make sure we got this question out and, and give you a little quick story in a second as well um, for the loyal listeners because I don't want people to feel like they've missed out. Shannon, this question uh, is, with Brisbane 32 on the horizon, what learnings can we take from the Sydney 2000 Olympics build-up? How has the swimming landscape changed since then with the demand for instant gratification in our current society? Is it going to alter the approach that we should take when we're selling the Olympic dreams to these young kids? I think mm. that's probably one of the most intelligent, well-thought-out questions we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> so that's better than the questions I write. That's a good question. Well done, Billy Nicholson. <laughs> Oh, is it from Billy, is it? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, a good point. It's going to be uh, interesting. Like, things are going quite well at the moment, aren't they, in swimming? Um, I wouldn't say that well um, outside of the pool. There's been a lot of change. Yeah, I was going to say in the pool we're going well here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of criticism and changeover of hierarchy and all that sort of goings on. Um but in the pool, certainly been going going really well. Um, is anybody who's in the current crop on the Australian team? Uh, is there anybody that's going to be there in twenty thirty two? Well, it's a good question because what what are we now? You know, nine years away. So you could imagine if there's any eighteen year yeah. old, nineteen year old. Um, especially more sprinters around. Yeah. Um, so it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. What's Molly? She's not she's old. Not, I was just about to ask you. I'll, I'll Google it. You keep talking and I'll Google I think it. She's maybe 18 or 19. <laughs> Don't think she's that old. So I suppose you could be 20. She's maybe? 19. 19. Okay. okay. So she could be. Yeah. Um. So the Australian swim team landscape is going to be completely different. Um, you've got 2024, and I would think there will be a lot of swimmers retiring. Yeah. I mean, a significant portion of the team. Um, we've lost the Commonwealth Games at this stage. Mm -hmm. Probably going to be replaced with Pan Packs. 
Um, Which, to be fair, swimming wise might be a a better competition, a bit stronger meet. You think? Yeah, I'd like the Commonwealth Games because of the village. Yeah, the learnings of a village. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and dealing with other sports, I think it's really important, actually. Um, so you know, so the question mark is: is the next uh, is is the next crop coming through going to be as good as this crop? I mean, Sydney, it was a real building decade. You know, Don Talbot came back in, and uh, relays weren't popular. He popularised them. Uh, everyone was swimming for themselves. He got it much more of a team dynamic. Um, you had the 91 world champs in Australia. You had the 97 world champs in Australia. You had Pam Packs in, in 1999 in Sydney. So you had a lot going on. Um, I would think there'll be some more things going on in Australia in that last quadrennium. Mm. I haven't heard anything from you know, 2024 to 2028. So, um, yeah, and you de- definitely, you know, the swimmers and the whole sport, um, apart from swimming up and down the pool, has changed, you know, with, um, as, as the, as um, Billy alluded to, the instant gratification t- type thing. Yeah. Um, how, how much that change, I mean, you got to do a lot of work in swimming to get anywhere. So um, we may not have that so to deal with as much as other sports. But I suppose in saying that, because of that, people may not even try swimming. So, um, but what I would think is we've really got to make sure that our over the next two Olympiads that we're developing new swimmers and the next gen. You know, I think that's going to be crucial um, because if I, I'm just trying to remember back into the 90s, yeah, the nucleus of that team was in place really for probably six years leading up. Yeah. So um, we're definitely not in that place now. Um and uh, we've got to be giving young people opportunities um, to learn and, and, and coaches as well. Um, as we've said many a time, um, and I was talking to Rowan on Monday sort of about this sort of thing, and, and the swimmer that came to mind, I don't even know who it is, but it was a Tasmanian swimmer. I think they probably moved to Queensland. Um <laughs> And they're on the World Cup, 200 freestyle, and they dropped from a 147 or a 148. And by the end of the World Cups, they were a 145 swimmer. Yeah. Got on the plane swimming one time, went to a whole new level, didn't, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. The got back. That, that's what can happen. Um, and it's been done many a times before. And the confidence that that brings, uh, we've got to make sure we can do that for the next generations. Mm. Um, so you bring up a good point too um, when you say the coaches too because, you know, you, you would imagine there's a fair crop of coaches that are coaching now at the high elite level that, 
you know, might not be, well, certainly not full-time coaching by 2032. They might be mentors by that stage or, um, you know, still in and around the sport, but they might not be sort of day-to-day full-time travel here, travel there, everyday coaches. Yeah. So how important is it too to be mentoring and, and inspiring the next crop of coaches as well and trying to bring them through professionally, education-wise, trying to help them learn? Because it's been said to me a lot, um, and I'm probably yet to be at the level where it's it's really, um, you know, where I'm in it. But, you know, when that swimmer comes along, you've got to be ready for them because if you're not, they're out to the next coach. You you can't learn with the swimmer. You've got to be ready for that swimmer when they get to you. Yeah, There's you- probably a lot of coaches out there at this stage that are probably, you know, needing to get on the bike and really get themselves to that level, right, so that when that swimmer comes along, they can go on the ride with them versus kickstones because they end up jumping off into a a hub program or somewhere else or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so you're 100% right with the, like the landscape of coaches um, is going to be a lot different as well, you know. Um, I think we're getting close to the point where, it's going to change a lot in the coaching ranks as well. Um, in the next 12 months, definitely in the next three years, yeah. and, yeah, it could be unrecognisable by 2028. Mm. So, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of balls in the air that, that uh, need to be dealt with, and um, if swimming just thinks it'll just happen... Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be involved. <laughs> so things just don't just happen. No, <laughs> particularly when you want a whole team to do well. You know, you, you can have those sorts of uh, think, uh, thinking if you just think, oh, well, we just need one or two people to go well. But um, if you're trying to bring a nation along, it's a different ball game. Yeah, I think it's immensely important. I think that. Um, uh, all of these things that we're talking about need need to be planned in advance. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know, but I hope that um, the powers to be um, are certainly discussing all of all of the above because um, you don't want yeah you don't want the swimming performance or or the coaching you know you don't want either of them just to fall off a cliff, do you? Um, no. So. No, no. And as I said, I only brought it, you sort of jogged my memory when you said that, but yeah, I, you hear it a lot, you know, when you've got to be ready for that swimmer at whatever level, you know, you want to get to, you can't be sort of going on the journey with them because you don't last, you fall off, they keep going and they get to the coach that was ready for them. So, um, well, I think the other important thing, and I have talked about this with two people is, um, you have to have a light at the end of the tunnel, don't you? Mm. Um, so, you know, you're asking athletes to train X amount of hours a week for what, you know? And you see in events over history, you know, that are really, really strong. Like when Susan O'Neill and, and Patria Tom, uh, Thomas were dominating Butterfly, um, when they retired, there was a 
a big a big gap. Yeah, the men's fifteen hundred for a decade. You know, like yeah. you know, we just seem to be producing fifteen hundred meter swimmer after fifteen hundred meter swimmer. Then all of a sudden, you haven't got anyone because people are looking at the event and going, oh, "There's no way. There's no light at the end of that tunnel." You know, so. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, there's you've got your strong event becomes a weak event. So I think it's really important that there, both coaches and swimmers can see a way forward. Um, and you know, last week, even though I wasn't on the camp, I was in and around the pool. I observed a bit. We had a we had our own swim meet in Canberra, so I was warming warming some of my swimmers up, and one of the uh New South Wales coaches um mentioned you know that that Cronulla job um and oh the hub the Sutherland the hub yeah yeah and mentioned and I I didn't read the job advert or I, I'm I'm obviously I'm presuming it's out um and it said you had to be international or a Queensland coach is that is that correct well I don't know if it was in the I'm not sure if it was in the. I haven't read the um, the ad. I'm not sure if it was in the ad. I, I feel like it may have been just mentioned oh, okay. um, as a as a part of. You know, when I you're sitting around the boardroom and and they're like, so who you know, what are we looking for? And I, I feel like the 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 conversation was, well, we're looking for a international or Queensland coach. Uh, which I, I can't imagine. I, yeah, yeah, well, I can't imagine it would have went down too well with the New South uh, Wales coaches sitting around the table. No, that's certainly not what we want, you know. Um, and that's certainly not going. That, that, that's um, there's no light at the end of that tunnel, is it? No. Well, it. You know. Well, what does it say to your New South Wales coaches? Basically, that you know. Yeah. What do we What do we think in there? So yeah, no. There definitely needs to be that pathway and progression um here in new south wales as well as with australia and that's what we're talking about more broadly you know you talk about um you know we're selling the dream and the, the question at the end is here you know do we take a different approach we're selling the olympic dream to the kids what do you do with a, a you know a good 12 13 year old 14 year old coming through do you, do you even talk about that sort of stuff is it just one brick by brick one foot in front of the other with you know we're looking at the next meet and the next thing or or is it okay to sell a bit of a a, a dream yeah it's it's interesting i mean i think you can around that whole olympic time you know um yeah, because you just don't um, want to put the pressure on them, do you? And go, well, look, we're going to the Olympics, and then okay, well, once you've said that, <laughs> there is only two options at the end of that yeah. road: success or failure, in their mind, anyway. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's just that sort of question. You know, it's, as we mentioned in the changing of the landscape with society, there's so much around anxiety these days and failing. You know, um, fear of failure and all that sort of stuff. So, do you? Yeah, do you steer away from probably putting that high pressure on or do you pick it and go, no, I think this athlete can handle that. Maybe the others can't, but I think this one can. Yeah, I'd be more inclined just to talk to the group. Yeah. You know, especially that age group that you're talking about, you know. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, mate, you might have a, a, a story of someone who was young and got to the Olympics, but you just talk to the group would be my advice um yep. you don't single out a 12 or 13 year old 
No, I'm not going through my bloody junior development squad, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> now, listen, we're going to the Olympics. Yeah. You get yourself to training. Uh, yes. Um, you certainly <laughs> don't want to throw cold water on someone's dreams either, you know. So yeah. um, I just think you talk um, from a neutral point um, and that, you know, anything's possible, yeah. you know, um, and you just talk talk to the 30 kids you've got or something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's trying to inspire, you know. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, if, if you, you know, did the numbers, you, you wouldn't say anything, would you? That'd be a sad place. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Yeah, I think it's it's a fine line, you know, but that would be my advice. Just talk to the group. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's exciting to sell that Olympic dream, isn't it? It's exciting, but then, as I said, you know, there's so many cases these days, way more than when I was a kid and probably way more than when you were a kid of um, anxieties and all these different things around. So you, we've got to be way more conscious now than probably ever in terms of the level of weight of expectations and pressures we put on. The kids or how we do it anyway it's it's more the verbiage isn't it it's not so much that we're not going to set standards and goals but you know it's the how the you know what we're saying and how we're saying it and all that sort of stuff but it is pretty sad that we can't <clears throat> you know talk about oh let's sell the olympic dream yeah i was actually funny you should mention that about anxiety i said that to elspeth a couple of days ago you've only got to watch the morning news yeah. far out Have any <laughs> TV show should be blamed for the anxiety that is created. It's yeah. got to be the news. I so mean, what are, we, what are we calling out, Carl Stefanovic? Uh, is it Carl's fault? I'd say ABC. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, yeah. I mean, three times every half hour you get warnings about the weather, for starters. I mean, it's unbelievable. And if, if it's all good in Australia, they'll, they'll come up with some weather uh you know disaster somewhere in the world that we don't need to know about yeah but we hear about it oh don't get me started that's why i don't watch the news it's just it's depressing it's other than yeah, yeah. um remember imagine around COVID time how bad that was oh. the media have so much to answer for in terms of the Absolutely. COVID hysteria um just anyway don't get me started. about everything too by the way yeah oh, <laughs> don't get me started all right we've covered that one now it, you've brought me on to a um in terms of the that conversation we've got um an email got sent to me so bear with me while i read through this guys a bit of a story that um one of our listeners scott wanted to um tell us um about which obviously ties in with shannon um g'day uh, shannon and robbie greetings from brisbane i uh, I'm a one-time long-term swim parent. Ironically, I was going to contact you both uh, about the podcast with some positive feedback. Anyway, today I swam at Yoronga Pool in Brisbane. Midway through the set, a young lady jumps in the lane next to me and uh, she's off doing some kick and some 25 split medleys. She moves on to some freestyle. Straight away, I click that she's a pretty gun freestyler, this girl. Um, I'm into spy mode, which Scott's a bit weird, um, <laughs> trying to pick up 
uh, how she's going so fast and just watching her stroke and efficiently uh, efficiency. Um, she's seemingly doing it so easy. When we have a short break, um, you know, changing fins and stuff, I start to have a chat with her. So were you a sprinter? Your other strokes looked a bit rough. <laughs> but your freestyle looked unreal. Um, I've got full swim nerd talking inconsistently with training, da-da-da, rocks and diamonds trainer. I'm 59. I do some open water events. She kind of listens uh, and mentions how good those days are when you feel really good in the water. Um where am I? There I am. I finished my swim and one of the adult squad coaches goes on pool deck uh, and says, that red cat woman in lane six uh, is a next level freestyler, I say to them. I could watch that stroke for hours. Do you know her? He laughs. He says, that's Jodie Henry. He said, uh, particularly I liked when you said to her, hang in there, you're doing a good job, um, you're going to go really well. <laughs> so, oh, Poor Scott. Thanks, Scott, for sending that. I did get a laugh. It's very funny. Um, imagine telling Jody Henry that, you know, don't worry, Dale, you'll, you'll get there just to hang in there. You know, they've got masters and things. It's never too late. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is funny, Scott. Well done, mate. I'm glad that you sent it through, Scott, because, you know, not many people would own up to <laughs> just to say that, but that's a funny story. <laughs> Enough. Um, do you reckon that happens a lot, Shannon? We're like, I know Susie trains up there at Yoronga as well. Do you reckon if... It's a dangerous pool, that Yoronga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd imagine. I wouldn't be going there to try and feel good about myself. There's just Olympians everywhere. Barney be... White lives in Yoronga. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure her kids, if they're still swimming uh, uh, down there, so she could get in the water. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know where to look. Certainly not a place if you're trying to feel better about yourself and you're swimming if you're a, a battler out in lane eight, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that would happen a lot for sure. Um, mate, I wanted to move on to and just bring up um, and obviously a, a very um, popular person on Off the Blocks. We've had her on three times and absolutely killing it at the moment with Kaylee McEwen. Um, a lot of chat around her, obviously owning all world records in the 50, the 100, and the 200 and just – being an absolute beast and and they throw around that goat word a lot which for anyone who doesn't know what goat means no we don't think she's a farm animal it's she could she be the greatest backstroker female backstroker of all time um firstly just on 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 kaylee um before we sort of discuss goat words um flying right it's she's in some rare form there's not too often you see from an australian perspective someone dominate a whole event like oh, a whole stroke you know usually maybe 50 and 100 free but then the 200 not quite there or maybe the 200 but then they can, no, we can, can't come down to the 50 this is a girl who's she's got it all covered yeah absolutely um and not in australia at least anyway not just um backstroke i mean if she enters a medley race you'll win that um yeah. Breaststroke's pretty quick, 106, yeah. doesn't she go? Yes, yeah, she goes 106. So any sort of state meet, she enters breaststroke in. She, I think she's won the last two years that she's gone in that race. Didn't she win the 200 breaststroke Australian champs last year in April? I think she did. No, she might have. I yeah. can't remember, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. She's a gun. So, um, yeah, she's certainly in rare form and uh, have those – world three world records now um 
Yeah. I mean, the 50 forms haven't been around forever, so um, I'm just trying to rattle my head. I, I can't recall. Actually, I can't recall male or female, someone owning all three. So d- definitely she's in rear air. Well, that's what I mean. It's the all three part that is is impressive because more often than not, you, you've seen a few male backstrokers just on the world stage own the 100 and the 200 maybe, but not be able to come down. Then you have a specialist sprinter who knocks over a 50 and, you know, they might get third or something like that. But for her to own all three. Um, the goat word, I, I want to talk about that. I know we've got a couple of other things I think we're going to extrapolate from this conversation, but... That goat word, greatest of all time, for me personally, it gets thrown around a bit too much these I, days and way too quickly. I yeah. love Kaylee. I, I think she's a great person. I get along with her really well personally and swimming-wise she's phenomenal. As I said, she's she's dominating at the moment um, and and no doubt you could probably have her in a conversation to, to you know, when you look at statistics and data and put her in there and, and how does it all balance up and work out. But... That it just gets thrown around so quickly, so yeah. early, like you know, oh, they're the goat, they're the goat, or they're the king, they're the king. Well, when they get knocked off the second time, are they still the king? Well, yeah. apparently they've still got the crown on their, on their thing. So we're no, they're still the king. It just it doesn't really mean as much these days. It gets thrown around. Do you think that? Do you notice that? Like it just gets chucked out so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think it comes up in conversation too often. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're never really going to know um, because I think great champions of any era could be great champions in any era. Yeah, um, that's a good mind. saying, Shannon. Write that down. Thank you. That's, um, that's off the top of your head. You write that down. You're going <laughs> to like that one later. You'll be like, shit, what did I say? <laughs> um, but, you know, I like Formula One. I like motor racing. Um, yeah, Formula One, they talk about you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, they change the rules so often. I mean, you know, once upon a time there was eight races in a season. I think the Schumacher era there was like oh, 15, 16. Now there's 24. So, of course, people are going to break records, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, swimming. So he, he's... So I, I saw this, I haven't seen, I mean, I was on Swim Swim during the World Cup, so this is the yeah. only reason why I sort of saw this um, with the, the whole goat thing being bantered around. Um, yeah. So the first thing, and I and similar with breaststroke, isn't it, PD, you know. Um, yeah, like we, we've had a chat with Matt Trodden, I remember, and, and yeah. we asked that question. It's certainly all right to have the conversation and to have different, opinions which we did on that on that stage yeah. um i remember you two were on team kitajima and i think i went adam Peaty. yes yeah. we'll see if he can bounce back for 2024 and if he does then i feel like my choice will be solidified but if he doesn't <laughs> then maybe have to eat some humble pie um, but it, it's good for conversation i just yeah i take sort of the i just get annoyed when they just say it as a fact like well yeah. no, it's not a fact it's a conversation yeah and you know um so here's my question to you. Yeah, what do you got for me? Do you think, so, so this is me in my mind, you know, yeah. right? so I've already thought this. So I'm going to, before I say. Yep. So do you think Kaylee could swim 
206 in a pair of training togs? Well, I'm going to say no. Okay. That'd be interesting, eh? You know that <laughs> I had? Wait, wait, wait. What do you think? The whole classic, you know, having, yeah, you know, yeah. the old, everyone's in training cozies, you know, the best yeah. training cozies they could find, you know, yes. day, but the, the high cut, the what the guys yeah. train in. Having a classic meet down at North Shore Swimming Pool underneath the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Someone's got to pick that up and run with it, I reckon. So. Um, what did you think, though? You didn't put, what do you think? Would she be able to do it? No. Okay. But I don't know. Yeah. But if I had to say one or the other, I'd say no. I think it would be a good way of trying to challenge the swimmers and the athletes to to prove that the suit isn't the only thing that makes them at that speed. Yeah. I um, Funny you should mention that um, we were in day two at the ACT swim comp uh, on the weekend and um, with – after the first 15 minutes, they were running 10 minutes in front, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is a good thing. Yeah, especially those that had to drive home and had a big drive, yeah. Anyway, the breaststrokers were in uh, maybe an hour or so into the meet. Well, I come running over after some event and they're in. They're warming up and I was like, boy, everyone out. <laughs> You know, um, you're going to have to swim your turn of breaststroke in your warm-up cosies. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, there was some pain. <laughs> so not to mention they didn't get to finish their warm-up, but, um, yeah, it certainly brings brings people back to reality. When you're in heavy work, mm. I think the suit helps people a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, some more than others. And, yeah. um yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. I, I've been, um, you know, I was looking at uh, Bronte's results um, over at World Cups and I've um, compared them to some of my former athletes and also compared them to um, some current athletes that she'll have to be racing against and, and stuff like that. And, and it just brought home um, how much skills have improved Um mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I don't have much doubt that the, the suit is helping people. Um, and, yeah, um, pure swimming speed isn't changing as much as we think. Um, skills definitely have, you know. Yeah. So, um, so it sort of puts a bit of a question mark, and that's where I, I think it just makes it very hard to compare Um uh, so, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as we said, um, I mean, yeah, there was for, no 50s form strokes back in the day either, is it? You know, so mm. uh, even the 53 only came in in the 80s, but um, at least that's got a, a lot more history. It is an Olympic event as well. Yeah. Um, you could so, potentially so when you say when it's all. Oh, the first one to. Yeah. To have all three well there would have been people in the past without question that could have had all three you know yeah well i think look when it's all said and done <clears throat> and kaylee wraps it up um <clears throat> she might be looked at as one of the greatest of her time oh that's a much easier uh yeah yeah 
Yeah, she might be looked at as one of the greatest of, of her time, if not the greatest female backstroker of her time in an era that had some really, really, you know, competitive female backstrokers around the world when you look at Regan Smith. and uh, Yeah, and I think um, that's probably the really, I mean, that's all you can be compared against, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Um, so. But, yeah, yeah. interesting because, you know, if you're going to say she's the greatest of all time, oof, you got one of the greatest swimmers of all time. She's up against with Christina Regazzecki. Mm. So. Yeah, and it gets it's hard because yeah, then you start talking about. I think you can take the suits sort of part of it out because that's all horses for courses. You can only deal with what you've got at the time of your swimming yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And but yeah, certainly the greatest of her of her time. I think that could be. Maybe they could change that acronym to not goat find something else greatest of their time greatest of anyway sure somebody smarter than me will come up with something but yeah <clears throat> i do think when they just start throwing out goat oh they're the goat they're the goat well are they that's that's a big statement greatest of all time becomes a good conversation starter though so maybe we'll do an episode one day of who's the goat of certain things and we can just we'll get a few other coaches on we'll get a list of five of each different thing and We'll just go at it. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Um, another thing I had written down, Shannon, that I wanted to mention, or just, um, you know, you're one of the better storytellers that I know in terms of just your recollection of things in history that you were a part of and been around and seen. And, and, and for whatever reason, I can't remember, something came up during the week in my sort of Instagram feed or something like that around rivalries and different rivalries. So it made me think about some of the rivalries that, well, A, there's, there's definitely one we know you've been a part of that's um, very, very sure. And we've talked about it on the podcast and I've had Stefan on the podcast and chatted to him about it as well. Um, swimming rivalries first. Have you seen in and around pool deck, been a part of any training camps? I mean, I'm not, we're not looking for any salacious dirt here. It's just things yeah. that you've seen or witnessed or watched or maybe from a father or, or no one's talking, but this is definitely on here. I can, I can tell it's a bit frosty. Have you seen um, within the, you know, your sort of time? Oh, yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, myself and Stefan Widmer. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think the last time I saw Stefan, um, I think it was in Melbourne 2019. He came down with the Singapore guys and we were chatting and that. Certainly, um, you know, at the time, I don't think we either, either of us would have agreed that we were making each other coach better. Um, yeah. We both look back and, and admit that. Um, but, yeah, it was on It was on like Donkey Kong, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I was lucky enough that I had a swimmer that, just did not like one of his swimmers and yeah. um and i lent on that in a big way <laughs> so there was a definite swimming rivalry as well um, yeah out, it was in the water and on the deck um and also yeah part of that uh rivalry was um you know stefan was working for the qas and i was a club coach mm. um i saw that he was getting everything handed to him um and um, in 2001, I didn't have an assistant coach. Yep. 01 to 02. And this probably really riled it up. Um, and 
at no point did anyone give me a hand, anyone ask me, you know, and rather than asking, you know, um, for help, which I've never been good at still to this day, <laughs> um, I just worked it up in my head that they just wanted me to fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I say they as in the entire QAS. Yeah, the system. Uh, yeah. And um, it just made me coach harder and harder and harder and hate them more and more and more, you know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and uh, rightly or wrongly, that's what happened. Um, and I still haven't learned. But anyway, <laughs> Ken Woods and I had a pretty good rivalry. Different, totally different um, yeah. because we were just both in club land. But I've got a funny story with that. Like, he used to call me Little Napoleon. Yeah. Um, I was only thinking this the other that day. That movie's out today, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it sort of reminded me of, of that. Um, he probably had a few names for me, but yeah. I, I openly know he, you know, he'd come up and he'd say, all right, what's Little Napoleon up to this time? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I always took it as a compliment. Yeah. Um, hopefully it was. Um but um, <laughs> he came up to me in 99 and um, we were at Hobart Age Nationals and he comes up and he puts on this voice, you know, and he goes, all right, Mr. Rollison, you know, <laughs> you might be going good, but you're not. But uh, he's, he's, Ken always had the point system going. It was for Age Group Coach of the Year, which was yep. a little bit different to the um, club points system. So you, you could win the club point score and not get age group coach of the year. So that, that I forget how the points went, but basically it just gave you a chance if you weren't the biggest club. So yeah. I think it may have just been medals or something like that. Anyway, he'd worked it out and Ken always was on the points of whatever. <laughs> you could go to him for anything. Anyway, he's come up to me and he's 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 basically worked it out that he's going to win it and he's probably going to win it for the umpteenth time i hadn't won it yet and yep. um so he comes up and i've got one race left and uh and and the person who was racing um her name is amy townen and she was one year older than jody and actually in in my squad yeah for a long time uh, she was my most talented swimmer i had um and i'd been coaching her for about four or five years. I had her as a real youngster. By this stage, she was, um, she would have been like 15 or 14. Oh, she might have been a year younger than Jay. But anyway, she was having a meat of a life. She was, mm. um, she had a bad age, four age nationals. So she had to go up. And um, that's right, she was 14. So she, Competed all year as a 13-year-old. And um, it was about three days before the meet. She had to go up in age. And she was still winning medals, um, multiple medals. And um, But she was a sort of a distance-type kid and um, swim anything from the 200 up to the 800. She medaled in the 800, didn't even swim down, got a medal, got on the blocks, won a medal in the 200 fly, uh, won a medal in the 200 Free. She actually raced against a girl that Tomo used to train. Um, I think Amanda Pascoe was her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Amanda. And um, so Amanda was a year older, but 
but they crossed paths because Amy went up and um distance she good yeah. 800 swimmer yeah she <clears> went 845 or 846 and if she had a remained for one more week a 13 year old she would have broken danielle somerville kimlin's record from 1982 mm. in the 800 free 13 years and under queensland all comers record or state record anyway um she was having a meet of a life everything she went in she medaled um, I think Amanda was winning the golds, but this girl was getting second to her. Anyway, she was in lane eight. And she and Ken's like, I know there's town ends ha- having a pretty good meet, but even she and you can't resurrect a performance from lane eight in this hundred freestyle, you know. And I'm like, what's Ken on about? You know? <laughs> anyway, and then it, it's tweaked with me, this coach of the year, age group coach of the year. So anyway. I've gone up to Amy and delivered one of my all-time great Laurie Lawrence forever. <laughs> and she goes from 61-something in the heat, which was probably a PB to yep. make that final. She goes 59-0 and wins bronze <laughs> from lane uh, eight. Yep. And I get age group coach of the year. She <laughs> hadn't have said anything. <laughs> I would have been quite content. Did he have much to say after that? It came up, you little, I can't even mention the yeah. word. It <laughs> yeah. Starts with P, yeah. K, four <laughs> letters, five <laughs> letters. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we had this rivalry, you know, but it was much more of a, a friendly rivalry. Um, and I think both because we're both in that club uh, area, you know, the club coaches always love to hate the um, – the QAS or the N Swisses of the world, don't they? You know, that's never changed. That'll never change. <laughs> nope, nope. It's not changed. It's it's not it's not changed even now. Um, you know, it, it, we've talked about this before on the podcast, and and I think it's lost a lot these days in terms of rivalries and you know people willing to sort of. Um, put themselves out there enough to sort of put on a show. You know, we mentioned um, sort of Gary Hall Jr. Um, yeah, before, 1996, and- Atlanta. That's a, one of the all-time great uh, footages. you got Gary Hall carrying on, punching the air and doing his Rocky stuff. Yeah. And then you've got Alex Popov just, you know, his, his body is facing forward and he's just looked to his left or right, whichever it is. And he's just staring at him with absolutely <laughs> no expression on his face at all, other than "I will kill you." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Alex wins. Yeah, well, he's, well, you, we talk about the greatest of all time. I think he's definitely in in a conversation when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah, Mister Popoff. Um, but yeah, like you know, I think when you talk about Gary Hall Jr. and even with the Sydney Olympics in the conversation around um, newspaper articles and comments made before the games and all that sort of stuff, do you think swimming now misses a bit of that? Like it, it's, well, even to be honest, everything, even rugby league, as soon as a player comes out and says something, it's all hush, hush. Oh no, no, don't say that, and keep it down, keep it down, and we don't want to give even state of origin, which is built on. Queensland hating New South Wales and New South yeah. Wales hating Queensland through the camp. It's all, no, they're good. You know, they're a good play. They're a good team. You know, they're great. We're going to give them respect they deserve. And because you don't want to give them ammunition, there's not enough 
I don't know. I think if you want bums in seats, we need a few more people out there stirring the pot a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's interesting. The, the, probably the only person that's sort of doing anything out there is Dean, isn't he, from a coach point of view? Yeah. Um, well, and he's not even doing anything controversial. I mean, he's he's sort of getting out there and he's doing a few things and he's willing to put himself on the line in those moments when the TVs or cameras are around. But it's not he's uh, he's not calling people out or I miss yeah. that sort of stuff. I want someone to call someone out and go right. You know, if Kaylee's the goat, who who's chasing her? Someone should be calling her out, and going right. You're the goat. I'm going to get you. Oh yeah, yeah. So so you're, that, on, you're on a real rivalry. Yeah, I want it on because that's what <laughs> swimming, like when, you know, um, although maybe behind the scenes, you know, there was, it was Jody versus Libby and, and Alice was around and there was a few others. Then you had Susie and Patria and all this sort of, but from the outside perspective as a fan watching, that was, it was on. Like we, we just knew this is going to be a great race. These two are, are going to go hammer and tongs and who's going to win. I know it's going to get close and just don't know if there's as much of that these days it's all cuddly and fluffy pillows and clouds and marshmallows and <laughs> <laughs> doesn't put people in the seat shannon you know what i'm talking about fluffy pillows. Think, yeah fluffy pillows mine's not fluffy enough that's why i got a sore neck um so anthony mundine used to draw so much yeah. money and ratings because he you know for all reports behind the scenes um Chuck's a really nice guy. So he, he was playing this character to the to the public yeah. and to the media and saying everything that he knew was going to roll everybody up. Yeah. Just because, you know, then people would tune in to see him get beat, which inevitably more often than not he didn't, which annoyed everybody even more. So then they'd come back. But, yeah, with the rivalries, I don't know, I think. I reckon, I'm just thinking while you were saying that, I reckon yeah. um, a good rivalry, we, we, we never got it because they were at the – different ends of their careers. Um, but if they had have met at the same time, I reckon a good one would be James Magnuson, Kyle Thomas. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. I reckon Maggie would be up for throwing something. And yeah, yeah. Fun, you know? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that was, it, it probably lends itself to be more a sprinter type thing, doesn't it? Because they're a bit more um, outgoing and extroverted. Yeah, Usually. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I reckon yeah, you could have built something up with that. Um, they, and the only thing probably, if Kyle had to come from Queensland and then Maggie from New South Wales, it would have been even better. Even better. But yeah, um, but yeah it, it's probably one of those things you need sort of two personalities, mm. you know, media type personality. What was Maggie's? He was the missile, was he? Yeah. What, what's the <laughs> chance? No, I don't think, Kyle, yeah, he's King Kyle. Um, but, yeah, no, they, bloody everyone in 2012 had a nickname, the Missile. There was a rocket. There was a, and then just, you know. <sighs> anyway, let's let's not go down that path. I'd, it was annoying just watching all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, look, I, well, you see it a lot in New South Wales at the moment. I remember the last um, December state, um, you know, the point score was heavily um contested and there were swimmers watching every race and where did they finish no no we're still in front things like that as i said i i think they're good it gets people involved well do you think the time do you think time ruins rivalries because 
everything's made out so much about the time. Oh, in terms of who's faster or? Well, yeah, you say swimming needs a rivalry. Because it's gone down the whole time aspect, mm. so how do we, how do, how do we uh, bring new technology that, to, to um, make, make them swim faster or, you know, there's new blocks coming out next year for the Olympics. There's talk, you know, will you, will everybody, well, certainly everybody won't get a chance to use them. Um, will, will one even be in Australia? Um, and no doubt if there is one, it'll be in Queensland. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we laugh, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, they, they're spending so much time in changing the rules um, and uh, they're in that headspace. Um, there is no real time. Uh, there's no time for a rival to read to be created and there's probably a, there's no better time in the history of the sport for that to occur because swimmers are swimming for longer aren't they yeah so, you know once upon a time it was one olympiad uh, then it went to two now it can be three easily mm. yeah you're probably right in terms of um you know, I think the eye's definitely been taken off. The focus is taken off. I don't think people promote these events quite as much or as big events as they used to. Yeah. Um, you know, like if I'm promoting, if I'm a promoter, if I'm in a part of the events crew with Swimming Australia and that's my job, um, then I'm looking at who's head-to-head who's -head coming up to Olympic trials and I'm creating a video package that puts people against each other. Yeah. You know, we've got the returning Campbell sisters versus Molly versus this versus that. Who's going to come out on top? You've got Kyle versus, you know, just create it. It doesn't have to. I'm not saying they have to behind the scenes hate each other, even though we all know not all swimmers get along, even though on TV they all hug each other and smile and thank you, Australia. And, mm. well, you know, good on them. So we all know behind the scenes now everyone's always um, super happy with each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not saying they've got to be behind because we need a team environment as well. But yeah. you know, from a from a promotional aspect, it, the best way to get people. I keep coming. I'm a wrestling fan, um, and and the best stories are told when there's sort of a a good guy and a bad guy, and people get behind it. Similar to Anthony Mundine, as I said, because people wanted to see him get knocked off. So with swimming, there's got to you've got to you know put them out there, and there's going to be fans of. Molly, there's going to be fans of Emma. There's going to be fans of the Campbell girls coming up, Shayna. Yeah. And, and you know, there's going to be people who don't like some of those girls for whatever reason. But when you put them head to head, then all of a sudden now it's now it's exciting. For the public, for me and you, it's exciting anyway. Yeah. People have got to get outside their brains. You don't yeah. want Shannon and Robbie watching swimming. Shannon and Robbie are going to watch swimming okay. <laughs> just because – we're boring and that's that's our <laughs> entertainment but you you want um you know my mum and dad used to watch swimming you know when jody and libby were racing because it was exciting yeah they wanted to wobble who's you know who's your favorite dad and who's your favorite and i think we've gone away from that a little bit we market too much now towards swimming fans and swimming people okay well that's why our numbers are down We've got to get outside of that. Anyway, thank you, Mr. Yeah, I was just thinking of rivalries too. Sort of, uh, yeah, Kieran and Grant. Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. You know, um, and Kieran was quite, um, 
known for sort of his uh, demeanour around warm-ups and pool deck and stuff like that, especially around his rivals, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, yeah, he's a tough competitor, Kieran. Yeah. Yeah, you don't win an Olympic gold medal from lane eight. Yeah. It? No, I'm yeah. sure he's great. Like, I, I don't know him personally. I just, I've heard a few stories in terms of when it was game on. Yeah. You, you knew it was game on. He, he wasn't your friend just standing next to you. He, you know, you knew it was on. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'll, um, I'd love to sit down and, and ask him about that whole suit incident in, um, in 2000. But he just looked magnificent in the, in the heat. Mm. And I think I'm, I'm not 100. Uh, I don't think he broke the Olympic record in the heat. I remember Grant did that in 08, um, but he just looked so good. And then he came out in that full length suit, and um, he, he was drowning in it. And the story goes that even John Carew, his coach, didn't even know he was going to come out in that suit. Um, now, if you've got an, you know, we didn't know it at the time, but if you, that, when you have those suits, not all suits suit, you know, a long suit to your um, wrist can suit some people. It certainly does not suit a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and um, and then if it's not fitting 100%, you know, water gets in, all sorts of things. Yeah, it'd be a great conversation to have um, because he he looked just incredible and it and you know we were knocking on the doorstep of a 3p 1500 92 96 2000 you know yeah um and i think grant was the opposite i think he'd been sick and and he uh he didn't look great in the heat and um and you know kieran has had had some time off since 96 so it was, you know, Kieran trying to do the three P, you know, the which, you know, there, there's a good topic, you know, the yeah. goat of the fifteen hundred, um, and um, and then this young guy had been on the scene, but they'd never really gone head to head because, uh, because of Kieran's time out of out of the sport. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good rivalry. Oh, definitely, definitely. And as you said, sort of um, changing of the guard a little bit too. And I yeah. think Grant had been coming along for a little while there too. So, you know, Kieran yeah. certainly knew he was on the charge and um, so that wouldn't have been an easy battle for Kieran knowing he didn't have as long to go, but he still had to work as hard as he, you know, or even work harder because he's, he's going to have to battle this young fella coming up. So, yeah. But yeah, I remember that suit. I remember that suit. Might have worked for Thorpey. <laughs> I'm not sure it was an Adidas suit either, by the way. <laughs> yeah. um, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Um, so, yeah. Yes. But I know when um, those grey suits came out, uh, I think they were 03. They were this light. They were the they, – they weren't the – the first speedo was like the shark skin. They used to promote it as the shark skin. Then, yeah. then there was like the evolution, and it came out. It was a grey one, and for some reason, it was a bit thinner. And all the testing of the 
black suit, the first one was done on people, but the second suit wasn't. It was done on mannequins and stuff. And so that one little change changed everything because obviously, you know, a mannequin's hard and then you, you're testing against a hard su uh, surface opposed to testing it up against skin. Mm. And um, it was the 2003 Worlds and anyone that was in that suit on day one nearly drowned. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like pandemonia. Like I think the first event was like the women's 100 butterfly and it was just horrific and i can remember um everyone i just had this memory of everybody rushing back uh around that dive pool area yeah <laughs> and people going yeah the suits are bad the suits are bad <laughs> it was like a trap <laughs> yeah Makes you wonder how that can happen, eh? Especially knowing, like, why would you be testing it on a mannequin? Mm. Anyway. They're dragging it through the water and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. You're not going to get accurate results. Anyway, yes. <laughs> you paint a funny picture, Shannon, with everyone running. Oh, I'll never forget that. I'll never, <laughs> ever forget it. Stripping them off and throwing yeah. them away and boom, setting them alight. That's it. They're gone. Oh, all right, that was good, Shannon. I liked today. That was good. It was pretty relaxed, um, free-flowing. Um, hopefully for the listeners out there, you guys got something out of it too. And we always tried to create a bit more of a relaxed environment, a bit more of a conversation, but ones that you guys can get stuff out of. I think the rivalry is one. We can do a whole episode on that and maybe next time, as I said, maybe we can get a few others to jump on and give some stories. And Because I think by now... I mean, we're not talking about rivalries at the moment. So, you know, it's a rivalry from 10, 20 years ago. It's all a bit of fun story time now. Um, and I like it. I think it's I think it's good storytelling. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Brendan Hansen and Kitajima, that was a good one in 04. And then, yeah, the Ryan Lockie Phelps ones. So, I mean, you think about it, there's, there's been a few over the time. Certainly makes the sport better. Yeah, well, and then, you you know, this. I always heard stories of, you know, even on Australian teams, coaches, um, you know, trying to show off with their swimmers and maybe putting on a bit of a clinic for everyone to watch their swimmer put on a performance in the in the training pool, you know, oh, look what she can do, look what she can do, oh, we're going again, oh, we're going again, which is really just to say, you know, look, guys, mine's bigger than yours. Um, it's... <laughs> 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 that's still creating a bit of, you know, that's it's to put people off a little bit and go, oh, oh, hang on. Well, she's, she's looking pretty good here or they're looking pretty good here. And uh, it's all to get inside people's heads. And that's what the rivalry thing's all about. It doesn't always go the antagonist way, but. Uh, yeah, well, Inga de Bruin was famous for that, wasn't she? You know, her uh, famous white bikini um, in Athens that she was getting around in. So yeah. uh, that certainly had a, had a big effect. Um, and I, you know, it was a talking point on the Australian swim team how how fit she looked, and you know she's ready to rumble, and just unfortunate for Inga, we weren't at the pool that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. She was very good to Inga De Bruyne. I was as a fan of watching her swim. I, you know, I was just a teenager at that stage, but um, I always used to like watching her race. She always gave whatever Aussie she was up against. It was on. You knew if Inga de Bruyne was in that race. Yeah. It, it was on. Um, 
Funny, did I ever tell you she was on a show called like Naked Island or something? Yeah, I watched that. <laughs> you might not have been there that afternoon in Athens, but you, you caught that show. <laughs> oh, I didn't even, I just stumbled upon it. I didn't even look for it. And I thought, is that Inga de Bruin? And it comes up, Inga de Bruin. It is. There she goes. Look at her looking for love on the island. Good on, good on her. Yeah, it used to be on SBS on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. found it. <laughs> Wonder how many people listening right now thought, yeah, I found it too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty, dirty people. All right, man. Oh, you friends. You gotta love them. <laughs> hey, it was a good show, mate. They didn't always find love, but it was just, you know, it's just fun being along for the ride. Um, all right, we'll finish up with that one before I get myself in trouble. My wife started listening to this podcast now since I mentioned her a couple of times. She wants to make sure I've not be smirching her name. Um, mate, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks to all the listeners for jumping on and listening again this week. Um, good luck to you all. We're only a couple of weeks away now from getting ready for taper time and ready for state age champs here in New South Wales and Queensland. And uh, not sure, do they have what – what do they wrap up with overseas in Europe, Shannon? Anything? Uh, in um, the UK, they've just had the short course – British University Championships. Okay. Um, uh, what are we in? It's not an even year. It, in an even year, they normally have the European Short Course Champs. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure if there's anything much. There'd be a couple, you know, the odd swim meets and stuff, but nothing of any major mm. uh, this time of year. So. All right, well. If you're uh, if you're overseas and don't have anything major coming up, or enjoy your holidays coming up. Enjoy the enjoy being able to back off and relax maybe a little bit. I don't know. Hopefully you get something out of it. Yeah, to everyone else, as I said, hopefully looking forward to taper time and freshening everyone up, getting excited. So we'll catch you next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy. Try and stay dry. I think it's going to be a wet weekend, which annoys me. Um, good luck to all the coaches and swimmers going out to junior metropolitan championships for all the little kids going out there. Um, good luck to those guys. So anyway, have a good weekend. See you guys. Hey, everyone. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. 